you remember the general outline of Dante's Divine Comedy, that epic poem you know, from the Italian poet from like 1200s, 1300s? Remember the basic outline of that? So it begins with his saying he was at the midpoint of life. This is Dante making this journey. At the midpoint in life in a dark forest, in the straightforward way he had lost. So it was a bit of midlife crisis. He'd gotten off the straight and narrow. He began to choose dark things instead of the lights. And so he was lost. And then his gaze looked up to the sun, which began to direct his steps. And he came to the foot of a mountain and thought he could ascend it straight up. But as soon as he began to try, he was confronted with this beast. And try what he would, one way or another, he could not bypass that beast. So he then had to descend. He had to go back and come to terms with the choices he had made. And so he descended in a spiraling ring into the depths of hell, encountering historical figures and contemporary figures of his own day, their vices and his vices, coming to terms with the freedom he had misused, descending all the way down to the very foot of hell, bottom of hell, where Satan was there, stuck in ice with three heads, munching on three traitors. Not a good idea to betray anyone. Then he moves on from the depths of hell into purgatory, where he continues to meet figures, and then slowly transitions over into paradise. And he begins to encounter the blessed ones, the holy ones, who are arranged in these rings that as you go deeper in and higher up, become more and more brilliant, indicating their holiness, their goodness. And multiple times Dante attempts to gaze at some of the saints directly and is blinded by their goodness, cannot see at times having to recover his own consciousness before he could proceed. That to which he was going was far beyond what his eyes, what his inner soul could bear. He was not strong enough to see. You know, his spiritual director sort of put it a little bit differently, the same idea. When I asked him about discernment, you know, what vocation, where should I be? You know, what will the future be like if I could just see what that would be like? I could more easily choose. And he said, typically, God works by showing us just enough that we can take that step to do the good that can be done. Because if he were to raise the veil on the complete story of life... We might see the difficulties and challenges and fail to proceed. It's beyond where we're at at that time, but not ultimately. Now, what did Philip say? Master, we do not know where you are going. It's beyond us. We can't conceive us. It's what no eye has seen. No ear has heard. 
But while the where is beyond us, how to get there has been revealed. The way, the truth, and the life became a human person who said certain things and undertook certain actions. The where, the end, the goal is too much for us at present, but by applying what God has revealed, by coordinating our way with his, we can gradually arrive at that where. This way of living is what St. Peter described as offering spiritual sacrifices, which doesn't mean offering invisible things, but it means something like bending our thoughts, our actions, our work, our relationships, the whole of our life, bending it, coordinating it with the mind, the spirit of God. It's reconciling heaven and earth, which is why St. Peter spoke of Jesus' followers as a holy priesthood. They help the where to become accessible by aligning their choices with Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, the manifestation of the Father, the final, ultimate where. Notice the result. Like living stones, they are built into a spiritual house, the same one that comes to completion in the Father's house with many dwelling places in eternity. The final where begins to take shape even here and now in the community of believers. Now, this has a special significance for us, does it not? The living stones of believers are fitted together as a sign of the Father's house, which is reflected in the physical structure of a church. Our church will be strong, solidly built of worthy, noble Materials fitting together harmoniously, well-proportioned, beautifully ornamented one day, a witness to the divinity who has reconciled us with himself. And because it will now be classically designed, the sources of support like pillars won't just be beams that hold up the ceiling, as in many modern structures, but the pillars will be proportioned to reflect the proportions of the average man, woman, and child, of you and me, of those of us who will make the church possible through offering spiritual sacrifices. Those stones and pillars and columns that you will see will be visible manifestations of the living stones we are called to be, witnesses to the way, the truth, and the life that lead to the wear of the Father's house in eternity. And then just finally, just to kind of keep you in the loop, uh, give you just a little update. So this past week we interviewed fundraising companies, um, several parishioners, and there was one standout in particular, a good Catholic uh, institute or firm. Uh, and so they will begin work uh, soon. Uh, and they're just top-shelf, phenomenal groups. So we're, we're happy to have that going and probably looking towards maybe August or so to kind of re-engage uh, fully with that campaign. And then also just mention, you know, it's probably going to be a couple months or so until we have any sort of drawings that we can share, uh, but uh, the architect is working on what he calls napkin sketches, uh, which allows the civil engineer to kind of take the information on the capacities of the buildings and put them on uh, the uh, land that we have under contract so that we can kind of see, um, you know, if that's going to work. And 
uh, while they're napkin sketches, it's going to be a lot of fun. You can already see St. Peter's kind of appearing uh, in those uh, initial sketches. So just wanted to share that with you as well.